With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It is a big show today. It is a big show today. At the very end, I got an announcement on who the super special secretive gambling analytics expert that will be joining, competing, and battling with me on every gambling show during the season. That's at the end of the show. In the middle of the show, I'm going to go through and I'm going to tell you who I picked to win every division in the NFL, my two wild card teams. We're going to go through the playoffs. We're going to pick a Super Bowl. I have not even done the playoffs, so when we get there, it's all coming straight off the top of the dome. I'm giving you my MVP, my Defensive Player of the Year, and let's just say the Lefko notebook right now is flush. I have never taken this many copious notes. I have more information on injuries than I've ever had. I have gambling analytics and trends and nuggets that I hope that when I get done today, you will look at teams differently. But to my left, as he has been there for the last few months, Mr. Ingber. To your left, I'm also a lefty, and so it like pains me to see a notebook where you're not even using that side of the notebook. For the people that are just listening to audio. Used. Okay, so you like to leave half the pages open so that you can take more notes right, as you're going so along. So we're gonna get into it. I have <laughs> I I spent time about two weeks ago going every year. I'm really prepared for weeks one, two, three, and then the clusterfuck that is the NFL keeps going. What kind of a system can I create where I can just keep adding to things and then get better? So this is a system born out of practice, repetition, trial and error. So I came out this error. a few weeks ago. Okay, you got so two notebooks going Two now. notebooks. So this is going to be my weekly notebook in which I am going to have uh, throughout the, the Sundays keeping track of... Uh, all the games, all the lines, everything. This is going to be major injuries. This is going to be major news headlines that okay. everyone's talking about. I'm breaking it down so that when I get ready for the podcast on Monday it's and all Wednesday, laid out there for you. that I can go, and then I can also look back four weeks and go, hey, remember when everybody was questioning Sean Payton's job? Mm-hmm. Like, stuff like that. That would be a fun thing if you had one of these notebooks and just every year you had it and you just have a big shelf where you can go yes. all the way back to like, hey, So I have those for drafts. I have the last five, six years in copious notes for drafts. It started because I have a family friend named Jason Stark, who's now in the Baseball Hall of Fame, that, you know, when you have a family friend, you're coming up in the business and you just ask them questions randomly over yeah, the years? Yeah, he's the ESPN baseball writer, right? Oh, yeah. I read Jason Stark growing up. Sure. So me and his daughter were, were friends. We went to school together. Oh, cool. And... uh different stops along the industry, he would give me like 20 minutes to talk on the phone. And he told me one time, I said, how do you keep up with all the news? And he had one notebook for the AL and one notebook for the NL. And every morning he would open the newspaper and he would spend time writing the little pieces of information down. And then when I got into the industry, uh, and in the internet started getting good, I was like, why do I need to do that? It's right there. Mm -hmm. But there's so much information, and for me, as a kinesthetic learner, I began to realize when I write things down, 
I remember them a lot more. 100% that if is I, so true. If I control C, control V, copy and paste, I'm not retaining anything. And so this is born out of my own habit. And then uh, I really got to know Ernie Johnson. Mm -hmm. And Ernie Johnson is to the 20th degree where I asked him one time, we're on the way to a Dan Patrick show, and he was a guest and I was a guest, and he showed me his manila folder that had like 50 pages of notes. Mm -hmm. And in the middle way through the show, the drive, I said, uh, have you had any like vacation time? He goes, honestly, I'm going to feel bad saying this, but my wife and the kids went down to South Carolina and I had two days to myself and, you know. I got myself a pizza and I just got all of my notes done and it was amazing. And what you just begin to realize is if you're not making it a job, you're not going to be better than anybody that's also casually watching. And so I put the pressure on myself that if I'm going to sit up here and people are going to give a fuck about what I have to say, I need to do this shit. For my own memory, and then also so that me and the guy at the bar don't have the same take on Sterling Shepard's thumb injury right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and as we talked about um, how takes, like in the same way that the Vegas Lions can affect the way you think about a yes. game, as soon as you see that the Rams are favored by six, you automatically start thinking, oh, the Rams must be a lot better. Right. I think that's true, too, with the media, that you wake up, you go to your websites, you go to Bleacher Report, you go to the app, you start reading stuff on your fantasy websites and whatnot, and then those just become the takes in your brain, yes. as opposed to if you just watch the game, yes. you come up with your own takes and then you see where that fits into the take ecosystem a few right. days later that's uh you uh, allow yourself to have a, a more sort of cogent voice a more unique voice so a lot of the information that i'm using uh is uh people that i respect one of them uh a, a lot of it obviously is the warren sharp book where the amount of analytics he has his use of strength of schedule uh is pretty incredible uh i've i focused on number trends i will explain that more when we're picking but to get into the right mindset, we need to officially start to button up the offseason. And that's by doing maybe it might be it's not the last time, but it's one of the final times of something we like to call. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! Whoa! Nick nails the, the clothes every He's time. just standing there with his finger over the button, just ready for it. Big off season. <laughs> All right, so uh, where we start? Uh, I have three big woes, but of course I have an honorable mention to start things off. And it's By the way, next uh, Wednesday, I've just decided that will be the Woe Big Off Season Awards. Okay, yeah. Where we will go back and look at all the woes we've had before. Uh, we will give out our award for the woe of the uh, the off season. Uh, the, woe, the biggest off seasons of all the woes. Uh, it's been an incredible off season, so we'll kind of have an award show yeah. next Wednesday. I really think I'll this, have all Labor Day to think about. This needs to Daddy be... Daddy Cigars and like at the ESPYs, there should be a category for the biggest woe. I, I really. What think would you? What would the award be? Uh, it would just be uh, Nick's face with his hands on it, like to his cheeks, like Macaulay Culkin going "Whoa!" Yeah. And then I was you, thinking, you have a button to press on the bottom of the trophy that makes that sound. If you had to to boil down the trophy to either Keanu Reeves or Joey from Blossom. Who gets the more, like, because one of those guys, not Nick, no Keanu's, offense, Nick. No Keanu's woe is iconic, but it's not the woe big offseason. That's more of a whoa, 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 whoa. I know Kung Fu. Yeah, whereas the Joey from Blossom is whoa, whoa. That's, that's way closer to a woe big offseason in my mind. It is. All right. 
<laughs> it, it might just also be a cartoon bubble with the word whoa in I don't it. mind that either. All right, we'll work so it all out. So, marketing team, figure that out for next year. Oh, wait, we're the marketing team. Okay, so where are we starting? We're starting with my man, Eddie Panero. Oh, congratulations. Wow, what a kick this weekend. Is that yeah, what it's about? I'm, no, I'm just saying there was a, a great article that was very whoa. Bears kicker Eddie Panero's final test, Slay Soldier Field. Ooh. And they were talking about how he's four and four, four for four on the road, but he's only one for two at Soldier Field. I love uh, small wait, sample size, which I, I love. I love that part of the issue with Chicago, uh, Pittsburgh's the same way, mm-hmm. where it's you, they it's easier for the kicker on the road and legitimately, but also the fans buy into it too, where it's like, please slay our home dragon. It's so hard to kick at home. <laughs> I love that narrative. But for me, what it comes down to, and we were just having a conversation the other day about Drew Brees, Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady career numbers that Drew Brees spent his whole career in warm weather climates, Absolutely. playing in a dome. And I think with kickers, we have to factor that in. If you're talking about the greatest kickers of all time, being really good you know, in Chicago is very different from being really good in Atlanta. And when you factor in, like when you say Vinatieri and you think of elements, we all think of the same thing. 50 plus yard field goal in the snow, tuck rule game. Sure. At the same point, the last like decade, he's been he's in, been in a dome, yeah. but I still think of Adam Vinatieri as being like, oh, he's been kicking in blizzards for 20 years. But this is the best way to do it, to have the first like eight or 10 years of your career be in an outdoor Buffalo, right. New England, like that type of environment. And then you can go to some cushy dome type place. And it's like, but you've already got the bona fides. Yeah, 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 he's yeah. clutch. He can play in cold. He can kick a frozen rock through 50 yards. All he has to do is slay soldier. <laughs> so I really, well, I really enjoyed so that. That's an honorable well. mention. That was honorable mention. Okay. Uh, okay first real honorable mention. I'm going to count back from three, two, one. So the First third, whoa. the bronze medal, uh, Ted Karras, Patriots offensive lineman. Yes. Now that David Andrews, we wish you a speedy recovery. I hope he does oh, well. Yeah. What was his injury? Uh, I believe it's blood clots in his lungs. So this is honestly very uh, scary. So I'm noticing a trend. Um, I, I didn't realize it was that Russell Okun for the Chargers has blood clots mm. and they're comparing his to Chris Bosh. I was thinking Chris Bosh when I read the injury. Yeah. And it, because what happens is you have to start taking blood thinners and then everything goes out of whack. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting that Tom Brady's center and the left tackle for the Chargers, two teams that are Super Bowl contenders, those are huge losses. Absolutely and huge. as a human, please get better, David Andrews. Yeah, that's the main thing, especially like the week of Andrew Luck retiring for mental and physical health. Yes. That's the main thing. When some guy gets injured, especially something as scary as blood clots in your lungs, we just wish you well. I'm going to update my injury notebook, but please, what's the woe Okay, Ted Karras? Uh, Ted Karras, they asked him, because now he's sliding in, he's taken first team reps as a center, and they asked him, what's the difference between where you normally line up on... Uh, on the offensive line versus the center. And he said, quote, is my favorite offensive line quote of the year. I've been doing it for a while. Uh, I've been doing it around here for a while now. You just come into work every day. It's not that much different. You got to snap the ball, though. That's the biggest difference. <laughs> really? <laughs> how, how great is that as an O-lineman with a huge beard just speaking in a scrum? They're like, so what's the difference? He's like, well... Yeah, you got to snap the ball from this position, but other than that, it's pretty much the same. And I was like, "Yeah, I think we'll be okay." I if think you our told will be me fine. that that was from the Bill Belichick one hundred and one exactly media, it was perfect. Yeah. Uh, the other aspect too is I love when offensive linemen. I've heard this before. Like, what's the difference between right guard and left guard? It's like try wiping your ass with the other hand, and it's like okay, <laughs> uh, but. I think it is. A, it's it's a big deal. Oh, my God. It's absolutely a big deal. But does my, that make you nervous as a Patriots fan? 
losing an offensive losing lineman of any kind, losing your center is like, yeah, I was going to say losing an offensive lineman, yeah. that's bad enough in terms of cohesive unit. You want that to be like five guys working in, in perfect synchronicity, but losing your center, that's a whole different thing. And you know, based on your Ross Tucker interview, Tom Brady loves a good center, loves oh, a good man. snap. Let's have a good snap, boys. Let's have a good snap. Here we go. Good snap before every so single snap. Skarnack, yeah. That's the thing. Such a game. It's like, I'm not going to lie. So at, at when I get later to like picking divisions and all that, they're the only team that even if I find huge issues with analytics and trends, yeah. the Patriots are going to figure it out. They just are. Knock on wood, I hope so. Knock on wood if you're with me, fellas. <laughs> that was the best remix of uh, Hard Knocks this season. Uh, Hard Knocks was good. It was good. It was okay. We can get into it, but... Gruden, he, he said boof again. He did. I noticed that. I thought of you, and he said... <laughs> I was like, now it's intentional. Or he listened to your podcast and wanted Very to mess proud with you. Of, just really quick. Really proud of Jonathan Abram nailing the singing. That's the thing. We've talked about in this podcast before that being a great singer is not about having a good voice. It's about winning over the room. And he did. He won over the room. Great song choice, great charisma, got people singing along with him. That's that's really great karaoke 101 right there. Great stuff. Okay. Uh, Woe number two, counting down from three, two, one. Uh, This is from NOLA.com. Quote from Taysom Hill, your guy. Oh, the 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 future future. quarterback of the Saints. Yeah. Quote. People got very upset about that, by the way, on social. I mean, look, that's what takes are for, right? People want to get upset. Yeah. <laughs> Just letting you know that Teddy is very average right now. Okay, sorry. Taysom Hill uh, has adopted Drew Brees' routines. He says, oh, I thought you were going to say his kids. I was like, this guy is so versatile. <laughs> He's giving Drew Brees less He can return punts. He can babysit. He can return punts. He can return movies. He can return dry cleaning. Okay. <laughs> Walk your dog. Uh, I do what Drew does, Hill said with a smile. You could ask anybody here. I follow him around. I've adopted his schedule to how he studies for a game, how he prepares for a game, both mentally and physically. That's Obviously. Great. There's something there. So now, now it's like we're you know guy shadowing another guy. Is that going to bother Drew Brees? Is that One, annoying? It's great because of the comedy that you could, the lengths you could take it to. Oh, it's a sitcom. Like walking, taking a piss next to Drew. You know, just copying everything, eating the same thing. And like Drew Brees blows his nose, so Taysom feels compelled to grab a tissue too. It's like, dude, you don't have to. <laughs> yeah. But the thing that's interesting is I remember when Chase Daniel was Drew Brees' backup and then came to the Eagles. And I will always wish Chase Daniel well because of what he did for Carson Wentz. One of the woes that offseason was Chase Chase Daniel had written down Drew Brees' schedule. So clearly that's how routine-based Drew Brees is, Mm. that multiple backups are like, I'm just going to adopt it. To the point where he wrote down 705 eat an oatmeal, 7-10, throw out the oatmeal. And he took it and he brought it to Carson Wentz and Carson Wentz adopted it. Wow. So I'm almost curious now how many quarterbacks in the NFL doing the have routine. adopted Drew Brees' routine from his backup quarterbacks have come out. I want this to come out. Do you remember like someone tried to do the rock like his training oh, schedule for a Mark week. Mark Wahlberg, wake Mark up Wahlberg. at 3 a.m. Yeah, all that stuff. I kind of want to see how long I could last doing Drew Brees because it might be like until noon on day one. Oh, <laughs> I'd be I, like, you know what? I'm tapping out. I'm like, you know what? I'm only smoking daddy cigars on Friday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wednesday, I'm screwed. Yeah. Uh, okay, this is uh, that, the number. But, but listen, that's another little piece of ammunition that makes me think Taysom Hill, you know, 2020. Face of the franchise. I like it, but the thing is, Taysom Hill and Drew Brees could not be more different in terms of the type of player they are. So maybe that's not a good thing to do oh, the exact perfect. same routine. 
Uh oh. Well, I mean, but also, but Drew Brees is a monster in the gym. Oh, for sure. And Taysom Hill's a monster in a gym. I'm just thinking, like, should they be eating different diets? Should they be working oh, with different oh. kinds of trainers? Should you know, like, I don't know I'm what sure you should be doing. It's a little exaggerated. Yeah, you think? Well, that's why it's a whoa. We're allowed to blow it up what as much as we want. What would be the weirdest thing that he would copy? Uh, that would go Drew Brees be like, please stop. I don't know. Like if he Drew- calls Drew Brees' wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Taysom Hill just drives home to Drew's house at the end of the night. I mean, and he's like, the, all right, the, good the night, way, honey. The way the bit ends is Drew Brees is in bed and he's like, and he rolls over and he kisses his wife, and then he rolls over and he kisses Taysom Hill. Mm-hmm. That, and then it's like Jimmy Kimmel back on set. It's darkness, and then you hear, good night, Drew. Good night, Taysom. And then, yeah, that's the end of the piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone blows out a candle because it's 1850s. Is that episode eight of Ditch the Playbook? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's get Taysom on the show next year. I'm down. Um, okay, ready for uh, number one? Yes. Oh, hold on. Oh, I'm not going to get it in time. <laughs> oh, sorry. Ingber's Hammer. Yes, I forgot. Ingber's Hammer. That's good. That's a good enough drop okay. right there. Uh, this one is not from any specific publication. It's actually been on every publication, oh. which is what makes it a woe. I feel like every single website that I visited has some version of the Dolphins are interested in trading for Jadavian Clowney. Yes. Right. That is such an off season story. There's no verification. There's no it's going to happen. There's just this general floating thing in the air that the Dolphins, who are an NFL team, are interested in acquiring Jadavian Clowney, who's a very good NFL player. And apparently they've met yeah, sure. No, they were able to discuss things with each other that Jadavian has to ask for permission to talk why with the, certain teams. Why the fuck is that? I've never heard of a coach and a player talking that aren't on the... Anyway. Yeah, for sure. But for me, just when I see this, because it, it happens in all sports yes. where it's just like, hey, this team's interested in acquiring this good player. I just think on January 1st... And then in your brain, it feels like he's already on the team. Well, I just think on January 1st, we should just have a blanket news statement that says every team is interested in acquiring every good player if they can make the assets work. And then we don't have right. to have these dumb rumor things. If Jadavian Clowney signs an offer sheet for the Dolphins, yes. that's news. Yes. But the fact that the Dolphins are interested in signing a very good player should not be leading the front page of every sports story. It's also making me think right now, and I really need to look this up quickly, Um so the story was originally Jadavian Clowney has fired his agent, uh, Bus Cook, who he's had for a long time. Uh, the because Dol- he was frustrated at the, the negotiation tactics that had been used the last couple of weeks, right? And my thing to Jadavian would go, maybe it's not going great because the Texans don't have a general fucking manager right now. Yeah. No one's talking about the fact that, like, maybe the issue isn't Jadavian Clowney. Maybe it's the fact that there's four guys in the front office of the Texans that are all, like, it's succession right now <laughs> in the front office of the Texans. Who's the Shiv it's and who's the Roman? four different guys walking around being like, oh, no, 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 I'm totally cool with sharing the power. And then going to one person and be like, you tell me anything that he says when I leave this room. So maybe that's the reason Jadavian Clowney's not getting a deal right now. Apparently he is more interested in joining the Eagles and the Seahawks. Uh, This is the, I don't know, 18th rumor that's already surfaced from Miami, which makes me worry for Brian Flores that the leaks are a plenty in Miami. Mm -hmm. What we've heard out of Miami the last two weeks is Brian Flores played uh, eight Jay-Z songs for Kenny Stills. The Dolphins are interested in trading Laramie Tunsil. The Dolphins are probably going to cut Kenny Stills. Any single time one of these quarterbacks have breathed, we've known Josh Rosen's moved up. He's moved down. There are so many leaks in Miami right now that I'm starting to worry about Brian Flores, completely unrelated to that. But let's say it gets down to those three teams. The reason this notebook helps is I realize the issues for some of these teams. I look at the Eagles and I go, they are expecting 
other than Brandon Graham, very consistent pass rush from Josh Sweat, Derek Barnett, and Vinnie Curry. I am not 100% guaranteed that those guys can hold up the whole season if you really think you can win the Super Bowl. I look at the Seahawks and my issue with the Seahawks. Jerron Reed suspended for the first six weeks of the season. People seem to forget that. LJ Collier, their first-round pick, had a, a uniquely sprained ankle. And they don't know what's going on. And Ziggy Ansah has had a groin injury. So here's a Seahawks team that there's a, they're depleted right now up front. And the Dolphins just stink everywhere. I just enjoy watching you go through a notebook as opposed to Googling things furiously. Yeah. It's, this is very like 1960s really journalist. Like you should be chomping on an actual cigar, not a daddy cigar. Just like, hey, in the newsroom, hey, check out my notes here. Exactly. So uh, the question that I have for all of them, too, is... What? Who is it more necessary to and who has the ammunition to give up? The reason this fits the Eagles really well is it's very Eagles to make a trade for a player and then let him go and then get a third round comp pick in reward for him. Mm-hmm. But I think Jadavian's only playing if he gets a contract. And because the Seahawks, I'm going to bet that he ends up in Seattle because also who made a trade last year? Seattle and Houston. Seattle traded to get Dwayne Brown, the starting left tackle that they got from Houston. So there is a connection. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that he goes to Seattle, but Miami wanting him has been everywhere. I'm just I'm worried about Miami right now. They have they have Leak City in terms like I, the coach of the Patriots won't even admit that he knew that Andrew Luck retired. And in Miami, I know what Brian Flores' iTunes look like. <laughs> That's the difference between those two franchises. Right. right. Uh, do you think that uh, it's time to transition into the AFC East then, if we're yes. talking about Miami and the possible basement? All right, so here's the deal. I am going to be doing this live. I have picked my six playoff teams, but I also might change them at any time. Can I give three little nuggets before we start going? Absolutely. Three of the things that I focused on the most are going to be these. Strength of schedule, second-year quarterbacks, and one-score games. These are nuggets that I have just looked over time and and things that are trends. The way that I'm picking my teams this year, in addition to looking at the depth charts and looking at you know who's got, I really value the two deep at defensive line and linebacker because those are the guys that get hurt, and the deeper you are in the beginning of the season, the more they last. But a lot of these statistics, it's like a 16 in blackjack, okay? If you were really good at turnovers last year, and in, in blackjack, a lot of face cards have been out there. Then in your head, you've been counting cards. Here come the low cards. So if you got a lot of turnovers last year, the smart bet is that you're not going to get a lot next year. If you won a lot of one-score games last year, history has shown that that regresses to the mean the next year. So what I'm saying is not guaranteed, but in all good bets with analytics, you have to bet the reverse on that. Would you agree? Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, my, my, I know this is your wheelhouse. <laughs> I love living in this universe. Um, I also want to talk about the, the picks that you're about to make are the picks of what you think is about to happen, yes. not gambling value. 
Right. So but I, I can, will give some gambling value. And that's totally fine. I just want, for, before we get, get into the, the thick of it, I want to explain what plus and minus means when sure. we're talking about the lines here. So, for example, looking at the AFC East, the New England Patriots are minus 500, yes. which means you'd have to bet $500 in order to win a measly $100. Right. So even if you think it's a very good chance the Patriots yeah. are going to win the AFC East, it's probably not a good gamble, but no. it's a good pick. Exactly. If you're just saying that's what's going to happen. Whereas the New York Jets are plus 600, which means if you bet $100, yeah, that's, pretty, that's pretty tasty. You win six. That's what I'm saying. So that might not be your pick to win the AFC East, but the idea of what would you be willing to put money down on, it's a very different thing. So I'm just throwing that out there for the folks out there that are not well-versed in gambling parlance. So the strength of schedule I'm using is from Warren Sharp's book, uh, and he does it based on Vegas predicted win-loss total. The reason is that's the strength of schedule that has been seen to be the most accurate. Surprise, surprise, Vegas is really good at picking who goes further in the playoffs. So last year, the top 10 teams that had the softest schedule, five of them made the playoffs. Hmm. Last year, the top 10 teams that had the hardest schedule, one team made the playoffs. It was the Chiefs. So there is some recency bias that it is accurate. Here are the easiest schedules in the league in terms of strength of schedule. The easiest schedule in the league is the Patriots, which is incredible. It somehow happens every year. It's amazing. You guys were second easiest last year. That's amazing. But I'm going to go, this is from easiest to the 10th easiest. Patriots, Jets, Eagles, Browns, Bills, Giants, Rams, Chargers, Colts, Cowboys. So that's the 10 easiest schedules in the easiest, NFL. From easiest to 10th easiest. I'm just, you can replay it if you want. Uh, hardest. Hardest in the NFL is Houston. They had the easiest last year. So they went from worst to first. They went from easiest schedule in the NFL to hardest schedule in the NFL. I'm factoring that into my picks. You should. Something we'll get to later. But sec- So hardest is Houston. Second hardest is Denver. Third hardest is Oakland. Then Tennessee, Chicago, Atlanta, Miami, Kansas City again, Tampa and Arizona. So here's what I did. The teams that are in the hardest that people are definitely having maybe in the playoff conversation, Chicago, Atlanta, Kansas City. Last year, only one team made it. Mm-hmm. That's Those are three good teams right there. But the playoff teams in the easiest, Patriots, Jets, Eagles, Browns, Rams, Chargers, Cowboys. It's a murderer's row right now of teams that have an easy schedule. And if they had the Colts on their schedule, it got easier, too. Yeah, that just sort of like upgraded from a, a B-plus difficulty to a B-minus. So just think about that when you're making your own picks of those lists. Second thing I want to talk about was second-year quarterbacks taken in the top 15 of their drafts. In their first year, they have a winning record of 39%. In the last seven years, that's what it's been. In the last seven years, their second year, their winning percentage goes from 39 to 63. I talked about this a few weeks ago, but I factored into my picks. The teams that I circled then are Bills, Jets, Ravens, Browns. Okay? The crossover between the two lists, and this is going to completely impact my own rankings, Buffalo and Cleveland have the 
Cleveland and Buffalo have the fourth and fifth easiest schedules. And they've got quarterbacks. And they have jump. quarterbacks going into their year, too. And I don't know if on my list I have them in the playoffs. Interesting. So you might be going against your own wisdom here. Yeah, I might have to think about it. That's fine. That's why, we're, that's why we're sussing it out. Sometimes you need a notebook. Sometimes but, but you need a microphone. I think that's an interesting nugget. That's an interesting nugget that they cross off two of those. Things. And I'll tell you what, if things go south with uh, my New England Patriots and maybe the Jets don't live up to expectations, the Buffalo Bills are at plus 950. Nine and a half to wow. one odds to win the division. Maybe all you need is 10 wins this year to you get there. 50 bucks on the Jets and the Bills, I'm not upset. That's what I'm saying. I'm not you, upset. That's a, that's a value add, if you uh, a, a, a very big money win. If you put 50 bucks on the Jets to win 300 yes. and uh, th- 50 bucks on the Buffalo Bills to win 475. Now... This one is very big to me. One score game results. So games in which a team wins in one possession, seven or less. The reason is because historically it's been insanely predictive. So um, since 1989, 12 teams have gone six and one in one score games. The following year, those same teams combined for a record of 39 and 45 in those same games. They basically regressed to a 500 winning percentage, which is essentially what you should expect to have exactly. in one-score games. Yes. And the, so the average win decline for those teams was almost four the next season. So it's a very big deal. In the same time period, 27 teams won five more one-score games than they lost. So this is now, it's not just 6-1. Now it could be 7-2 and two sure. or... Uh, uh, They won 82% of those games in that year. The next year, they won 45% of those. Again, regression to about 50%, which is what you should expect. There are four teams that are apparently looking at a negative regression this year. Okay. Let me just, I'm going to try and individually pull them up so I can give you the exact number. One of those teams is the Rams. The Rams were 6-1 and one in one-score games Ooh, last year. Calling the Super Bowl Rams frauds. I'm not saying that. I'm giving the, the information. <laughs> That's true. I'm like, you taking your information. You fucked me over. <laughs> the Chargers, 6-1 and one in one-score games last year. Okay. These are teams that people are going to bet on. A team that I am predicting right now will be the worst team in the NFL because when I get to them, their analytics are wild. The Dolphins were 7-1 and one in one-score games last year. Totally unsustainable. In, um, oh, what was I going to say? Since 1995, teams that were 7-1 and one in one-score games, all of them won more than 10 games. The Dolphins went 7-9. and nine. Their so only wins were only by one wins score. were that, and then the next year, all those other teams went down to like 500 in their complete winning percentage. So what the hell is about to happen to the Dolphins? Mm-hmm. The other team, and this is a historical historical one score, was the Cowboys. The Cowboys were nine and three in one score games. So nine of their wins were in one score games, and uh, they went ten and six, right? So nine of their of their ten or eleven wins, whatever it was. Pretty sure they were ten and six. So yeah, nine of their ten wins were one score. One score games and a six game margin. So I and it look- also shows that twelve of their sixteen games were within one score. That there was just like no blowouts in either direction. It's incredible to look at their play calling. Um, and we'll get to the NFC East, but I'm just saying the four teams that are supposed to have regression in the one score games. Cowboys, Rams, Dolphins, Chargers. Cowboys, Rams, and Chargers 
I mean, those are Super Bowl contenders. Mm-hmm. You go to Super Bowl odds right now. I mean, uh, they're all looking good. So it's it's. I just found that very interesting. Yeah, you're given the information. People can do with it what they will. Like the Giants, four and eight in one score games. That should probably regress the other way. Packers, three and six in one score games. That's a kind of team where I'm looking at a positive regression. You you kind of go through Lions, two and four, three and seven for the Panthers. You know, so it's both ways, but this has been more predictive. The teams that won more are coming back because sometimes bad teams are just bad. Now, do you buy that uh, a team that consistently wins one score games? It could be because they have that clutch thing that Peyton Manning was a genius at winning close games. So we're getting to the AFC East right now. We're going to start going through Adam Gase with Miami in his first three years, he went 20 and six in one score game. That's unreal. So part of me wants to give that to Adam Gase. And then part of me wants to pump that up with the Jets. You know what I mean? Because it's like maybe he's just a really good coach in one score game. He's great in the final five minutes, you know, calling timeouts at the right time, calling the right plays, being able to play the prevent properly, all that stuff. Yeah. All right. So let's get into the AFC East. Let's get into the AFC East. First question I'm going to ask you at the start of every division is who's going to win and how many playoff teams are coming out of this division? I see two playoff teams coming out of the AFC East. Um, I'm going to say that my predicted team for last place is the Miami Dolphins. Let me give you the laundry list of reasons. Their strength of schedule is 26th in the NFL, and it went down 22 spots compared to last year's strength of schedule. It's brutal. They had a, that's why they were able to win those seven games, because they had the fourth easiest schedule. So they went from fourth to 26. They were positive five turnovers last year, and that will likely regress to the mean as well. Seven and one in one score games. This year they faced the second hardest defenses overall. They faced the hardest pass defenses in the NFL, according to last year's statistics, and they're doing it with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Josh Rosen. Weeks seven through nine, they faced three teams on extra rest, and they spent the least amount of money on their offensive line compared to any team in the NFL. I look at the Dolphins as your worst team in the NFL last year. The team that I don't have making it, because you know that I have the Patriots making it. I don't have the Bills in the playoffs. Okay. And I just talked about the Bills being the easy schedule plus the uh, second-year improvement. They have an incredible, they have the fifth best strength of schedule in the NFL in terms of easy. They were minus five in turnovers, so they should go more turnovers next year. By the way, there is no statistic more indicative of wins in the NFL than turnovers. If I beat you in the turnover margin, I have an 80% chance of winning the game. It's just, it's, just, it's the number one. Makes sense. You, you earn yourself two or three extra possessions a game. The Buffalo Bills, the reason it's really hard for me to bet against them is they face the sixth easiest offenses in the NFL, so their defense should be a lot better. And their offense faces the second easiest run defenses through Week 11. And I just think about Sean McDermott and Josh Allen. They're going to want to run the ball. I think the Bills are a team that they're over under a seven. I like them as an eight-win team. I think that they're right around there, and if if they prove me wrong, they're going nine. The team that I have as a wild card team, not winning the division, 
is the New York Jets. Oh, I got yeah. really excited for a moment that you were going to get a little unchalky. The Jets have the second easiest schedule in the NFL. Mm-hmm. It was 10th easiest last year, so went up eight, which is a big deal. They had minus 10 in turnovers last year. Amazing positive regression. Two and six and one score games. And then you have Adam Gase, who I talked about before, coming in with 20 and six the last two years. Weeks one through eight. So the only other thing is they're the only team in the NFL that play five bottom five teams and eight bottom 10 teams. And they have an early bye and they get the the Patriots twice in the first seven games, which what I talked about before is when you want to play the Patriots. Yeah, they're not rounding into January form yet. This is going to be my sign, though, on whether I'm right. We will know in the first eight weeks if the Jets are making the playoffs, and this is why. Weeks 9 through 17, they face the 11th easiest pass defenses in the NFL. I think that the second half of the year, the Jets are going to make a run. But weeks 1 through 8, They play the second toughest pass defenses in the NFL. Weeks one through eight, the Jets play the Browns, the Eagles, the Cowboys, and the Patriots twice. If in my mind the Jets start off four and four, they're going to finish with 10 wins. Hmm. That's my prediction for the Jets. So I'm going to write that down where if they start off fast, watch out. And if they start off slow, man, they're going to be fighting for a spot. But I think they can make a late run. But if they can go four and four, I feel really good. The things that concern me, obviously, they lose Avery Williamson to a torn ACL. Uh, According to Brandon Thorne's offensive line rankings, he has them at 28th. I'm higher on Coleccio Simile than others. My big fear pick in this fucking team is that Ryan Khalil is their starting center. And he was retired like three weeks ago. And so I'm putting a lot of hope into this offensive line. Um, And the Patriots, I'm having win the East. Uh, They have the easiest schedule in terms of strength of schedule in the NFL. Um, Second easiest opponents, offensive and passing offense. And I just go, Bill Belichick is going to eat those alive. (laughs) Now, the teams that I let out, I've already kind of gone into the Bills. I'm just going to actually, you don't know who I'm leaving out. Because I still have one more wild card team. That's right. So I have the Patriots winning and the Jets as a wild card team. Okay. The reason, and I'll just wrap it up. I know I'm going too long, but this is a wild card division. What came down to the reason I picked the Jets over the Bills is I did not see playmakers in the Bills roster when they need it. I like John Brown. I like LaShawn McCoy and Frank Gore and Devin Singletary and Zay Jones and Cole Beasley and Tyler Croft. But there's no one there that's winning a one-on-one. There's no one. So when push comes to shove, where is the playmaker other than your quarterback? For the Jets, I got Le'Veon Bell. I got Robbie Anderson. I'm getting Chris Herndon back halfway through the year after the fourth week. I like Jamison Crowder. I like the pieces more. And really, I think Le'Veon is going to be a baller this year. And so... um, for me, it came down to who has the, the winners. And then I looked at the Jets, and I looked at their safeties in May and Adams. And I looked at Quinn and Williams and Leonard Williams and went, they're going to control the line of scrimmage. But Le'Veon Bell pushed that team over the Bills for me. 
But also, as, as you're talking about second-year quarterbacks, giving oh. Sam Darnold the ultimate safety blanket. And I have a lot more faith in Sam Darnold than Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen will be really good this year. I think Sam Darnold jumps up into the top 12 quarterbacks in the NFL, maybe top 10. I just think with, with, with Darnold, you know, a little more poise, you know, second year, and he's always got Le'Veon Bell, maybe the best catcher out of the flats that we've seen in, in years. And Adam Gase is a guy that can make his offense easier for him. Indeed. Okay. All right, moving on to the AFC North. You ready for the AFC North, or did you want to yeah, do a different ready, division? I'm okay. Ready. How many playoff teams are coming out of the AFC North? Two. Whoa, okay. So, <laughs> was that genuine? No, I just that means like the Chargers are out. That means you like, don't know that. You don't know who I picked for the West. That is true. I feel like the, you're going to choose the Chiefs, <laughs> but okay. Uh, okay. High on the Broncos. Cleveland Browns, Pittsburgh Steelers, Baltimore Ravens, Cincinnati Bengals in order in terms of their Vegas rankings right now. Yes. Uh, who do you have winning the division? Give me the Vegas. Oh, Cleveland is at plus 115, so you have okay. to bet $100 to win 115, essentially 50-50 yeah. odds. Pittsburgh's at plus 190, so you get kind of two-to-one odds. Uh, Baltimore Ravens at plus 300, and then Bengals at plus 1,600, essentially. Like, a miracle would have to happen. Wait, give them to me one more time? Plus 115 yep. for the Browns. So plus, they're the favorite. Oh, for sure. Okay. By a lot. And this is as of today. Um, wow. Plus 190, Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay. And then plus 300 for the Baltimore Ravens, which All feels right, so tasty then I'm to just gonna I'm going to jump right out. I have the Ravens winning this division, and I would bet on plus 300 that they're winning the division. Yeah, you get a nice little payout. Uh, so that's one of the playoff teams. The team that I have coming in last, uh, let's not spend a lot of time on them, is the Cincinnati Bengals. Guess who plays the toughest pass defenses in the NFL this year and doesn't have A.J. Green, and their first-round pick, Billy Price, isn't even playing right now, and their offensive line's a mess, the Bengals. Oh, I was going to guess the Ravens. Oh, sorry. (laughs) The six of their first nine weeks are against top five pass defenses from last year. The Bengals could start off really bad. Bengals and Dolphins are fighting for the first pick in the draft, uh, but uh, they were two and five and one score games. Looking forward to a lot of like nine, six, five, three type of first no, half scores. No, the, the Bengals, the Bengals are going to be the, um, oh, you know what? You might be right. They will be the low scoring team. The Niners are the team that you should bet the over every game. The Niners' defense stinks, and it's another story, but bet the over early on the Niners for the first five weeks. Okay. So let me do the Ravens winning, and then I'll tell you who makes the playoffs and who doesn't out of Steelers and Browns. I have the Ravens winning because when I did my plus and minuses, they were a plus on almost every single thing. They lost Tavon Young, the cornerback, but literally their secondary, in my mind, is the deepest secondary in the NFL. Marlon Humphrey, Jimmy Smith, Brandon Carr, Cyrus Jones, Earl Thomas, Tony Jefferson, they're going to be amazing. They're too deep defensive line and their linebackers. My only concern about the Ravens is where are they getting their sacks from? But they're also one of those teams that has like 14 guys that they're just going to rotate. So they're going to be fresh and they'll figure it out. Like a hockey team. The thing that excites me the most... 12th in terms of strength of schedule, and it went it improved by 11 compared to last year. Double-digit chains, one of the biggest in the NFL. They were minus three in turnovers. I don't see that happening again. Three and four in one-score games. There's a positive regression there. They face the second easiest run defenses in the NFL. And what have the Ravens spent all offseason preparing for? To zig when everyone else zags, and to run when everyone else is throwing. So not only have they loaded up on their offensive line, signed Mark 
Mark Ingram, drafted Justice Hill, have Gus Edwards, have Lamar Jackson, have four tight ends that can all block, and they have a, a fullback. I don't think people talk about this enough. Their fullback is Patrick Ricard, who also plays defensive tackle. This is a team that is going to run all year, and they face the second easiest run defenses for the season. It's a reason I drafted Justice Hill in like the 11th round of all my fantasy drafts. They don't have to play Pittsburgh in primetime, which historically has been an issue in the past. The, after the bye, they face New England, so they have extra rest to face the, the one time they play New England. And listen to this step. In the last few years, when they faced quarterbacks who are in years one and two, they have an eight and four record because that's just Wink Martindale scheming up for young quarterbacks that have not seen anything. The, the Ravens play a defense that other teams are not used to facing. They face six quarterbacks this season, either in year one or year two. I look at the Ravens. They're deep across the board. They're fundamentally sound. They have the best kicker in the NFL. They have the best punter in the NFL. All of the statistics suggest positive regressions. And I love their coach. And I think their quarterback is going into what year? Year two. Ravens are going to not just be my AFC North predicting team to win. They're also going to be my number one seed in the AFC. Wow, number one seed number overall. One seed in the AFC. 14 and, wins, 13 And they were one of my preseason left-go locks that I bet with crack. So that means I also have the Sharps on my side. How, what did you think of all that? That was a lot. Yeah, you're, you've done your homework. And the thing is, like, I here could— Here are my bets. <laughs> that's right. You're going to put them up? Yeah. Well, i got to well, put them up eventually. We'll pin them all over the wall here so that you know that these are real. He's putting his money where his mouth is. But yeah, I got the Ravens right here. I bet 160 to win 128 that they will go over eight. So you just heard everything I'm saying. The Ravens are plus 300 to win the division. I mean, if you like them to be the number one seed, and then over line, eight isn't the, Their the line is now— now, I checked it yesterday. The line's actually up to eight and a half. That's juicing. So, they, so just saying, very high on the Ravens. Now, to the team that I'm putting in as a wild card, the Browns are missing the playoffs. Oh. Yes. That was, I like the this way you is, did that. This is killing me. The Browns have the fourth easiest schedule in the NFL. They had the biggest jump from hard schedule to easy schedule in the NFL, 26 spots. So the Texans go from easiest to worst. The Browns are the biggest jump from worst to easiest. They were plus seven in turnovers last year, which is not great. They were five and four in one score games, which is whatever. But they are also having the toughest jump in pass defenses faced. And the reason that I'm leaving the Browns out over the Steelers is because I'm worried about the Browns offensive line. Baker Mayfield looks amazing. Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry are going to be great. Nicholas Chubb is going to be a top five fantasy guy and Kareem Hunt's going to come in week 10 and they're going to look great. But my issue with the Browns is their offensive line 27th in the NFL, according to Brandon Thorne's offensive line projections. He's with establish the run.com. And I watched that Bucks preseason game and Baker Mayfield was running for his life a lot. And you have a first year head coach who's also going to be the OC with Todd Monken and I just I think the offensive line is going to what's going to prevent them. And so I look at the Browns, and I just I think frustration early in the year Baker Odell because they're not going to have the time to get these plays off in the back. Their defense, though, if you're drafting and you need a fantasy defense, 
Browns defense faces the third the, the last year they faced the third toughest this year 22nd toughest they're going to have a great year but I'm going with the Steelers the Steelers offensive line fourth in the NFL according to Brandon Thorne's offensive line rankings they were 29th in the NFL in terms of strength of schedule it's all the way up to 13th so they had a huge jump too their turnover ratio last year was minus 11 and they faced the fifth easiest run defense in the entire NFL. I look at the Steelers, and the reason that I have them in is the offensive line, Villanueva, Foster, Pouncey, DeCastro, Feeler, I think is phenomenal. I look at their defense, and I see Hayward, Hargrave, it with no injuries this year. They've added Devin Bush in the first round with Mark Barron. People forget he's on that team. You got Bud Dupree, TJ Watt, Chicolo. I'm a little bit concerned with Joe Hayden's injury and Sean Davis's injury in the preseason. But I look at the Steelers. I think Ben Roethlisberger has a big year. I think this team, with the loss of their wide receiver coach and Antonio Brown talking all this shit and Le'Veon Bell talking all this shit, I think that people are going to sleep on the Steelers and they come and they get that wild card spot. I respect the pick. Uh, of course, you know the Cleveland Browns could come out of nowhere and like live up to the, the hype. Uh, I don't Just think so anyone you know, has the my, Bengals coming yeah, out of nowhere. But my, my wild card battles for that last spot were Jets, Bills, Browns, and then I'll let you know who else in the South and the West. All right. I'll make these quicker. Those took a little bit too long. Now we're into the AFC South, which, yes. of course, has been thrown into some turmoil over the last couple of weeks. Oh I think a lot gosh. of people had the Colts penciled in for that. Uh, now they're down. They're down at the worst odds in the AFC, yes. uh, AFC South. over under now is seven and a half. That sounds about right. I mean, Jacoby Brissett, go prove the haters wrong, my friend. I'll be quick about the Colts. I have them about eight wins, which I think, you know, they might start out really fast, but I do not have them making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry to jump. No, they're at plus 450 to win the division. So pretty long odds. I will be honest, though. It's not a bad bet. Yeah. Not a bad bet. No, is... no one in the South is a lock. Right. So plus 450 for a team that Andrew Luck was probably worth two to three wins. But if you had them as a 12-win team, they could still win the division at 10. Yeah. So not a bad bet. A lot of respect for Nick Foles here because I would have thought the Texans would have would be a lot heavier favorite yep. to win this division. They're plus 175. Uh, whereas the Jaguars are plus 225. So pretty similar. Pretty similar odds for Texans and Jaguars. Tennessee Titans at plus 300. We don't know what's going on there. Tannehill and uh, Mariota. And then the Colts are at plus 450, uh, currently in the basement of that division. So uh, obviously I have one team. If I I had $150 and I wanted to bet on season-long stuff and I haven't bet it yet, I already have my season-long, and I don't want to wait five more months for more money, I would throw $50 on the Colts to win the division. Division, because at 450, you're just getting too good of odds for a team that's, I think, head to toe probably better than every other team in the division other than quarterback. Mm-hmm. But I would throw $100 on my team to win the division, which is the Jaguars. Okay, so you'd have $100 to win 225 and $50 to win 225 from the Indianapolis Colts. Sounds great. So 150 to, to hopefully. 150 to guarantee yourself an extra 75 bucks. Or, yeah, great. plus 220. Yeah, that sounds right. Are those good odds? Uh, I don't love it because <laughs> I think the Texans are better. But So let me tell you why they're not. The team that I expect to come in last place is the Tennessee Titans. I think the Titans are about to have a very, very awful year. This is a team that's been hanging around eight wins the last few years. If they miraculously get into the wild card, great. If they don't, they say it's because Mariota got hurt. Their strength of schedule is 29th. They went 10 down last year. They were 4-3 and three in one-score games. 
This is Mariota's fourth new offensive coordinator in the last five years. And last year, they faced the sixth softest offenses in the NFL. These are the quarterbacks that the Titans faced last year with Frabel's defense. Josh Allen, rookie. Eli. Josh Johnson came in from injury. McCown didn't finish the year. Bortles. Joe Flacco, Cody Kessler, and Ryan Tannehill. Now, instead of Bortles, they play Foles twice a year. They also have to go up against, this year, Mahomes, Baker, Breeze, Rivers, and Ryan. When you add to the fact that their offensive line was already not great, and they don't have Taylor Lewan for the first four weeks, and Marcus Mariota had the hand issue, and Ryan Tannehill's not that solid, I think that the Tennessee Titans show that they were going to have a season to forget when they drafted Jeremy Simmons with, with, excuse me, Jeffrey Simmons with their first pick, who has an ACL injury. This is a throwaway year for the Titans. I think they come in last. The reason I'm not high on the Texans. No one had a harder drop-off, remember, in strength of schedule than the Houston Texans. They went from first to 32nd. So that's part of the reason I'm picking against them. Then you add in the fact that in turnovers, they were plus 13 last year, one of the most in the NFL. So they had an amazing schedule. They had a ton of turnovers. They were 6-5 and in one-score games. They faced the third-toughest offense and the fifth-toughest passed offense. And last time I checked, Jadavian Clowney is not coming back. When you also figure out that the Texans are one of the worst adjusted football teams at halftime under Bill O'Brien. In the last two years, when the Texans have been tied at halftime or losing, they've played 17 games. What do you think their record was in those games? Oh, God. Six and 11? One and 16. (laughs) So when Bill (laughs) O'Brien is tied at halftime or losing, call your bookie and bet money line the other way because it's over. Well, maybe that's exactly what he wants you to think. He's been he's been playing some crazy chess matches. Just so that fuck me this year? Just this year. Now he's going to start doing some adjustments. They're 31st in Brandon Thorne's offensive line rankings. I will say that having watched in preseason, Titus Howard and Max Sharping, their first two picks, have looked really good at guard. But they've got Matt Khalil, who's got an injury. They're, they're just injured everywhere. They just lost the Lamar or ACL. Um... But I will say that I do think Deshaun Watson has a good year. They face the 11th softest pass defenses. And because I think their defense takes a huge step back, I think their offense is having to put up a lot of points. So Fuller, Hopkins, I think it's a good fantasy team. But I think the Texans are a 5-6 win team. I have the Jaguars winning the South from a number of reasons. They have the 21st. Uh, easiest strength of schedule. I don't like that. Telvin Smith is out this year. I don't like that. He's taken a personal year. The Jacksonville Jaguars last year and their turnovers, David Ingber, minus 12. The Jaguars. Why? It wasn't because their defense wasn't getting turnovers. Who was their quarterback? Blake. Blake Bortles and Cody Kessler. I think the tur- listen to this. This is crazy. Their turnover margin went from like plus 15 to minus 12. Their sack margin in 2017 was plus 31. Last year, it was minus 16. It was the greatest drop-off in sacks in the last 30 years. 
We're regressing to the mean. Josh Allen, Calais Campbell, Marcel Darius, Yannick Ngakwe, Avery Jones, Taven Bryan, Dayton Jones. That group was minus 16 in sacks. And the reason is their quarterbacks kept putting them in holes and teams were running on them so they didn't get the opportunities for sacks. Mm -hmm. Nick Foles ain't doing that this year. The offensive line, I think, is going to improve greatly. They've invested a lot of picks. Jawan Taylor, I think Ken Robinson comes back from injury. Leonard Fournette looks really healthy. I am buying Nick Foles. I am buying... Four other five offensive linemen last year went on IR. Everything, to me, looks like they're regressing to the mean. This is a team that people had as a Super Bowl contender last year, and they fell off the face of the earth because of their quarterback situation and injuries. Jaguars win the South. I respect the pick. I just want the people out there listening. It's possible that this is your first time listening to a podcast because NFL season's coming around and you just wanted to listen to a preview. Oh, yeah. This is just my takes. Lefko is an unabashed Eagles fan that will love Nick Foles with the with the passion that I yeah. love Tom Brady as a Patriots fan. I'm just throwing it out there. I know you sure. have the ability to be unbiased. I just want the people to know because I don't think you've talked about being an Eagles fan yet on this podcast today. I mean, fuck, if they don't know that by now. I'm saying if this is a new listener. Four-month-in podcast. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But, oh, I want you I am saying this definitively. I want you to know that betting on the NFL is like hitting on 16 and blackjack. You're supposed to, but it's probably not going to end well. (laughs) I don't know if that's good or not. But, uh, oh, I'm going to be completely wrong. On some of these, some of them I feel very confident. We'll keep track of this. I mean, look, it, I'm gonna I'm gonna pretend like you put let's say a hundred dollars down on yeah. each one of these uh, g- these sure. division winner picks, and we'll see how you did at the end of sure. the year. Maybe you're net positive. It'd be great. Okay. Uh, now we're moving West. on to the AFC West. We've got the Kansas City Chiefs. You want to guess the line for like their over under? No, to to uh, win the division. What's their minus plus or minus one fifty? That's exactly it. Wow. Very impressive. Nice win. Followed by the Los Angeles Chargers. Plus 125? Plus, plus 190. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, then the Oakland Raiders plus 1,100. The Broncos plus 1,200. So it's essentially wow. a two-horse race. Yes, it is. Um, I'm not sure what order these two are going to finish in. Uh, here are the reasons why I don't think the Raiders and the Broncos are making the playoffs. Uh, Raiders' offensive line is really not that good right now. Gabe Jackson uh, tore his MCL two weeks ago. So one of their best guards is out for six weeks. And let's just say they were already thin at the position. Uh, strength of schedule for the Raiders, 30th. Um, Tom Cable is their offensive line coach. Their defense is facing the sixth toughest offense schedule, and their offense is facing the fourth toughest defensive schedule. But none of that matters because they have Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro. They love that guy. That's the only thing that really matters on this team. They're going to uh, win 16 games. I think the Raiders are going to be an up-and-down team. I am going to try to avoid betting them on them all year because I just don't know what's going to happen with them. <laughs> uh, the Broncos uh, have the 31st toughest schedule, the, the uh, 31st easiest, so the second toughest schedule in the NFL. Uh, they were plus seven in turnovers last year. They face the seventh toughest defenses and the ninth toughest run defenses. I have no faith in this offense this year. Rick Scangarello is the offensive coordinator. That Shanahan scheme. Um, I, I just look at that team. Emmanuel Sanders is coming off an Achilles. Um, I don't I don't know about Philip Lindsay. I don't have any trust in Joe Flacco. And that offensive line has a rookie at left guard and their right guard Ron O'Leary is coming off of an Achilles and their center Connor McGovern's not that good. So when I look at this team, it's gonna be a have to be a lot of defense. And I think Vic Fangio is gonna maybe start off quick. The only thing that hurt me, by the way, I looked it up. 
They play the Bears at home in that revenge game. Remember, the Bears play Thursday night football to start the season, so they have 10 days rest to acclimate to the Denver altitude. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to pull back what I said the other day. So between the Chiefs and the Chargers, I have the Chiefs winning the division. Okay. Uh, The reason, and I have a lot of negatives uh, for for these teams, but I'll start with the Chargers. I, I just am betting that Melvin Gordon doesn't play this year. I just, of all the monetary situations, I have never heard one peep of the Chargers and or Melvin Gordon feel good right now. And I don't think that Eckler and Justin Jackson are uh, solid enough. Um, Guys, this Derwin James injury is serious. He had a foot fracture, and thanks to uh, my guy, Pro Football Doc, uh, who really has been a resource for me predicting games this year, he has a foot fracture in the same bone that he had in 2016, and it's a bended screw. And this is the pro football doc used to work for the Chargers, so he's got insight there. It looks like if Derwin James does return, it's at the end of the year. This is like Cam Chancellor missing the Seahawks back when they had their run. It's that big of a loss in my mind. Also, Russell Okung has blood clots in his lungs, and they're already a rough offensive line with, we don't know what we're going to get a forest lamp and Sam Tevy and Schofield. So I saw Phillip rivers arms start to decline last year. And now the offensive line's not going to be that good. And Melvin Gordon's not going to be there. And Keenan Allen's kind of banged up again. Um, so my other issues were six and one and one score games, which I said earlier, huge regression capabilities. Um, they did have a lot of injuries last year, and you would expect that to get more normal. But the problem is, is the Chargers, and they're injured every single year. It's a medical staff. The Chargers don't have an athletics department. They don't have an advanced medical staff. Sometimes you just don't have good facilities. They have the cheapest owner in the NFL. He's not paying for the move. Like, they're just a cheap organization that played in a dump for a very long time and continue to play in a dump. So... Um, My only thing that's positive is their two games in Florida this year are later in the year. You never want to play Miami and Tampa in the beginning when it's like swamp-ass city. (laughs) 94 degrees. Um, And their two games against the Chiefs, one of them is in Mexico, and they have nine days rest compared to the Chiefs who have six days rest. That's huge because that's altitude as well. Absolutely. And the other time is week 17, where if the Chargers are fighting for a playoff spot, the Chiefs will likely rest all their starters. So just something to think about then. But the reason I'm going with the Chiefs is I just think they're a great football team. Sometimes that's what it comes down to. Patrick Mahomes, Damian Williams is healthy. I love this kid, Darwin Thompson. I've drafted him on both of my fantasy teams as a third running back guy. Tyree Kill, Sammy Watkins is healthy. Uh, Miko Hartman, Demarcus Robinson, Travis Kelsey is healthy. Their offensive line is solid. And I think that their defense with Chris Jones, Frank Clark, Derek Nadi, Alex Okafor, um, Emmanuel Ogba, that people forget, they got some speed at linebacker with Darren Lee, who I think needed a change of pace, and their cornerbacks. Tyron Matthew coming in at safety is huge. Here are the scary things for the Chiefs. 25th in strength of schedule, plus nine in turnovers last year. They had insane sack production, but I think that continues again because I think the Chiefs jump out to early leads, allowing them to get more sacks. They face the toughest run defenses in the NFL this year. So 
Damian William Byers kind of slow your roll. That's why I like Darwin Thompson because you're going to throw more to your running backs than run it. Um, I just think the Chiefs are the team. I, I will say that uh, Patrick Mahomes scares the daylights out of any defensive coordinator yeah. and that you might be a great defensive run stopper exactly. and you show up in Kansas City exactly. and, oh, my God, you spread everybody out and you got five DBs back there. Like You might not be the vaunted defensive uh, run ski, run stopping scheme that you thought you were a week earlier. All right. So let's look at the, the six top six yes. seeds in the AFC. You had Ravens at number one. Can, it tell, can you tell that I've like been thinking about this for a long time? Yes. You're pouring so many stats Holy and shit. names and schemes at me. I don't even know how to keep up. I haven't gone to bed before two in the last week. Respect. Uh, I go to bed around 9.30 p.m. every <laughs> night and I wake up at five. So we're getting the same amount of sleep, I think. Yeah. Uh, Ravens, number one seed, you said. They are. Patriots or Chiefs, number two or three? Patriots, two. Patriots, two. They get a bye, it seems like, every year for like exactly. nine years now. The Chiefs then at I three. I have the Chiefs at two, and then I flip them because I was like, the Patriots are going to somehow get a bye. Chiefs feel like, quote unquote, a regression team, but still damn good. Exactly. Right? They might not go 14 Red and two. Mind. They Red might be mind. a really good 11 and five, 10 and six team. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so Chiefs, three seed, then that would leave the Jags as the four seed. Yep. And then uh, Jets, five, Steelers, six type of thing. Steelers, five, Jets, six. Uh, let's switch them up here. So the teams that barely missed. The Browns, I didn't put them in because they're offensive line, and I know that seems kind of crazy because the Jets have an offensive line issue too, but really that's an issue for every team that I left out. So the teams that I left out that were close to me were the Bills, Browns, Chargers, and Colts. Bills, Browns, and Chargers all have offensive lines that scare me. The Colts do not. I just think that they're missing the quarterback to get it done, and all their wide receivers are hurt right now, and it just... They're a really good team that just misses the playoffs. Yeah. But if they knocked out the Jet, if if the if the Colts, Chargers, or Browns or Bills got the sixth seed instead of the Jets, I would completely understand it. I just think that the Steelers are definitely the fifth seed in the wild card. All right. I like it. So now we're looking at wild card weekend. It's going to be Steelers at Jags. So we'll do the AFC and then we'll do the NFC. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Steelers at Jags would probably be that like Saturday 4 p.m. game. It's 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 a st- and I have not I have not thought about this at all. You're just doing it on the fly. This is on the fly. And that's how playoff points work. I you know? am going to go. Steelers, Jags. That was that game the other, a couple years ago. It was like 45 42 or something, right? I am going to go by that time of the year. I'm going to go Steelers. Steelers. Sneaking one out on the road Man. in Jacksonville. Here I was going to bet against the Steelers this year, and now I'm loving it. <laughs> now you got them in the second round. Uh, Jets at Chiefs. Chiefs. That's a real tough, tough that, road for the for a young quarterback. There's nothing I like more than the Saturday of wild card watching the Chiefs beat a team thirty to three. It's like every year. I'll go. Yeah, I'll go in Chiefs. And then we've got a really exciting next weekend because we're going to have Chiefs at Pats, a review of the wow. uh, of the AFC Championship game from last year. And then on the other side, we got Steelers at Ravens, the, wow. the classic AFC North. I mean, this would if this shook out like this, I feel like the commissioner of the NFL and whoever makes money off of TV advertising would just be like smiling from ear to ear here. Chiefs right, at Pats and Steelers at Ravens. All right, so Chiefs at Pats first. It's in New England. We've seen that Patrick Mahomes can play there. But it's Patriots off a bye. It's six degrees because that's the Saturday night game. And I'd love to predict an upset, but I have the Patriots winning that game. Okay, I'll take it. Steelers at Ravens. That's just, I mean, the hardest hitting game. Nine guys are getting carted off the field. I hate that I'm wearing a yellow, black, and white t-shirt. You are, yeah. Um, It's in Baltimore. They'll have an extra week. The Steelers were just 
bashing around with the Jaguars, who you know is going to be a tough physical team. Yeah, you could say the Steelers, like, we're just limping to the finish line on this one. They squeak one out against a hard-hitting Jaguars team. Like, they could be pretty banged up, whereas yeah. the Ravens could be looking fresh. At the same point, in prime time, the Steelers have owned the Ravens in years past. True. It's a shocking statistic when you look at it. At the end, though, I think that the one issue that the Steelers will have every year is the depth of their D-line towards the end of the year. They, they relied too much on Stefan Tuitt. They relied too much on Cameron Hayward. And I'm going to have my top two seeds advance, Patriots and Ravens. Okay. So that sets us up for a Pats at Ravens playoff game, which we've seen over the years. We've seen oh, a few times. Which is another great rivalry. Sure. We saw them destroy the Patriots like 34-14 that one year. We saw uh, the missed field goal so that the Patriots won 30-27. to We saw the uh, almost interception to end it. It was like Sterling Brown knocked Man. the ball out of Lee something's hand. Patriots are going to the Super Bowl. Patriots at Ravens. The Patriots <sighs> squeak it out. <laughs> I saw someone tweet the other day, I would pick the Patriots to win the Super Bowl, but it's a boring pick. I'm trying to be right. You're trying to be correct. Now, yeah, yeah, not trying like, to impress anybody. If, if you want to pick a crazy defensive player of the year candidate, sure. That's, by the way, that's, that's a— But I'm trying to be right. That's a gambling discussion. Right. Like it's it's a, it's a lot of fun to say, like, hey, you know who might win yes. MVP this year? Lamar Jackson. I don't think he's going to win, but it's probably a very sexy, good odds type pick. Yes. And you'd be going against the grain by by suggesting it. OK, I may or may not have put down money on Damian Lillard to be the MVP next year in the NBA hey. just because the odds were really cool. Yeah. yeah. Did you get him at? I was like 32 or something. Nice. Noise. Yeah. All right. So what do you think of my playoff? I was 22. Sorry. Um, uh, I like it because the Patriots end up in the Super Bowl. So what am I going to say? No, <laughs> they're just that team, man. Okay, NFC. NFC. This is your division, the NFC East. We've got the Eagles. Uh, oh, hold on. I need. I need. Can you can you stall for fifteen seconds? You want to vamp? I just want you to vamp for fifteen seconds because, like, this wild card is fucking. Let me actually. How about this? As we go through the divisions, I'm going to say there's a possible wild card, and then I'm going to figure it out at the end after I talk about it. Can I give people some cooking tips for the next 15 seconds, or do you need me to talk about football? Okay. <laughs> Did you need some time? No, totally... but now I want to hear the cooking tip. Oh, just that you can buy ramen packets from the store, and then you can turn them into really gourmet stuff by making your own, like, uh, you put some chicken in a marinade, cut up some vegetables, put it all together with some sesame right, oil, and then throw in the packets from the ramen. Let's get back to the... It doesn't have to be a 60-cent meal. It'd I be thought you were going to tell me that the secret way to cut tomatoes, and I got by Top Ramen. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay. The, e the one team, excuse me, I have two teams. Uh, I have a possible wild card team, which means it's a possible two. Mm -hmm. Okay. I have the Eagles winning this division. Okay. It's, there, there are too many things that are pointing me to the Eagles. I think the Eagles are the deepest team in the NFL. They have the number one offensive line, according to Brandon Thorne's offensive line statistics. They have the third easiest strength of schedule. It went up 15 spots from last year. Massive jump. They were minus six in 2018 turnovers. They were six and six in one score games. I look at the Eagles. I really think other than Carson Wentz, they could lose their number one guy at every position and still be fine. 
that's how good the Eagles are in my mind. Yeah, a lot of depth. They are a minus one ten. So you're basically getting, you know, you you bet one hundred ten dollars to win a hundred. You're, you're, if you call it a coin flip, if you think the Eagles are better than a coin flip to win the division, then you bet on them to win the division. And in fact, I actually took them at minus one fifty. Oh, you got whoa. Okay, so yeah, so they I got them at worse odds. So that means that the public has been betting uh, the Cowboys over the last couple of weeks. Then yeah, it also means that at certain casinos, uh, it's hard to get good odds. Sure. If I if I if my company wasn't aligned with another casino, I probably would have shopped the line, but I had to do it. Understood. Yes. Okay. So uh, the two teams that I do not have making the playoffs: Washington and New York. Yeah. Uh, Washington four and two and one score games last year. They do have the eleventh easiest schedule in the NFL. Plus seven in twenty eighteen turnovers. In the end. I don't know what's happening with their left tackle, Trent Williams. I have issues up and down their offensive line right now. I find them to have no weapons at wide receiver. They're apparently shopping their number one wide receiver in Josh Doxson. Case Keenum to Dwayne Haskins. I do like their defense a lot. I find Greg Minuski to be a very unheralded defensive coordinator. I do like their defensive line with Jerron Payne and Jonathan Allen and Matt Ioannidis and Ryan Anderson, Ryan Kerrigan. But they're just not a winning team. They're just I just when I know that I can spend time not thinking about a team I don't. Uh, Redskins are at plus nine hundred to win the division, and Giants at plus twelve hundred to win the division. So Vegas agrees. Giants are a better bet there. If you want to throw twenty dollars on the Giants, what would you get back for that? Oh well, if you're it's a hundred, it's twelve to one. So you'd be getting uh, two hundred to forty. Two forty, not bad for a twenty dollar bet. I'm not making that bet, but there's a lot of positive regressions for the Giants. Uh, six easiest schedule in the NFL, four and eight in one score games last year. And if you believe that Eli or Daniel Jones will be an improvement on Eli with Saquon and and all that, I just I think their defense will be mar- markedly improved. I, I think the Giants. Um, I might even pick them to beat the Cowboys in week one. I think their defensive front seven, adding in the Marcus Goldens, uh, the Dexter Lawrences, adding a DeAndre Baker in the back, um, Antoine Bethay, I think their defense is going to be a lot better. I do not trust their offensive line. I do not trust their quarterback play. I do not think any of their wide receivers, including Golden Tate, I think Golden Tate's going to have one of the most disappointing years ever. Hmm. Misses four games. What? That's just a bummer. I like him. The reason the Cowboys are on my wild card bubble, nine and three and one score games last year, I cannot get that out of my head. I just, I also look at their offensive coordinator and Kellen Moore. The only system he's worked under is Jason Garrett. So, how much different is this offense going to be this year? I don't know. Uh, I don't know if Zeke's going to play. I have a lot of questions there. Amari Cooper's foot thing is kind of messing me up. The other issue that I have with this team is I know that this offensive line is healthy. And if they're healthy, according to Brandon Thorne, second best offensive line in the NFL, Tyron Smith has missed a number of games the last few years. I worry about that. Robert Quinn is suspended for the first two games. Demarcus Lawrence is coming off of shoulder surgery, and the pro football doc is saying he probably won't be right until October. Their number one cornerback, Byron Jones, had hip surgery this offseason. He has, excuse me, he hasn't even stepped on the field yet. There's a number of guys in this team from how is Zeke going to be right away? Robert Quinn suspension, Demarcus Lawrence, that I'm just worried about the regression and the injuries. That's why they're a bubble team for me. We'll get back to them later. I just see Ezekiel Elliott coming onto this field, signing some new contracts 72 hours before the first game, and just being gangbusters. He could. And just dragging this team to 11 wins or 10 wins. I'm just wins. saying that last time he missed a lot of time, he came in with a belly. 
and he's been in Cabo. And I know he's training with Marshall Falk. And I know that he's the kind of guy that you give him six days, he's in the greatest shape of his life. I just know that the other thing that pushed it down was Jerry Jones coming out and saying, we just need Zeke for the playoffs. Zeke plays if Jerry Jones buckles. Zeke does not play because Jerry Jones, if, if, if Zeke buckles, he's not going to buckle. But when Jerry Jones comes out and goes, in order to get a year of eligibility, he has to come back by week 10. I could see Zeke really doing what Kareem Hunt's doing right now, miss the first nine weeks and then play weeks 10 through 16. Fresh and legs. if that's the case, Cowboys might be six and four in the first 10. You know, so I just, if they don't have Zeke for an extended period of time, that, I, I'm hedging my bets by making them a bubble team. So I'll get back to them in a little bit. For sure. Ready to move on to the NFC North. Yes. Uh, Chicago Bears have the best odds at plus 160, then the Packers at plus 195, then the Vikings at plus 240, and everyone's forgetting about the Detroit Lions at plus 1,000. Okay. So I have a possible wild card in this. Just one. The team that I think is uh, on the low end is the Detroit Lions. Um, they were minus five in turnovers last year, two and four in one score games. Uh, I watched them. I think that my big issue with them is they need this defense to be incredible. They need Matt Patricia's defense to be unbelievable. The problem is Trey Flowers is coming off all season shoulder injury. Deshaun Hand has a hand issue right now. Mike, Mike Daniels got cut from the Packers because he was dealing with a foot. And I don't think this defense is going to be that incredible right away. And I don't like Daryl Bevel as an offensive coordinator. Because of that, I'm out. Okay. That was my... Um, that was your Lions spiel. That was my um, shark tank. <laughs> yeah, that was your pitch? Can I buy 15% of that take? So... I have the Vikings missing the playoffs. Uh, I do not have them on the bubble. I think the Vikings are a very good team. I think their offensive line is getting really a lot better. I think Kirk Cousins is going to have a very good year. I think Dalvin Cook's going to be really good. Diggs, Thielen, all the pieces are there. Finally, an athletic tight end to back up Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith. My issue with the Vikings is always the same issue. Depth. Their season schedule gets a lot harder. It goes from... Eighth easiest last year to 19th. Also, their defense faces the ninth most difficult offenses. There's also a trend online right now of people going, is anyone talking about the fact that Xavier Rhodes has fallen off a cliff in his PFF rankings? Concerns me a lot. The other thing that happened is this that I saw. Since 2014, the Vikings have played 11 outdoor road games. What do you think their record has been in those games? Oh, God. I'm assuming really bad. If Straight up, up and against the spread. Two and nine? Oh, ten and one. Every the, the, the tie was against the Packers? Green Bay Packers yeah. last year. They have not won a road game outdoors in five years. This year, they play Green Bay, Chicago, Kansas City, Seattle, and the Chargers all outdoors. That shit matters to me. It just does. When you have statistics like that, it impacts me. Now, they do have five games this year where they have a rest advantage, where, like, they play a team and that team played on Monday Night mm -hmm. Football or they played on Thursday Night Football and all that. I just I look at the Vikings and I worry about the depth of that defense like I always do. And 
I know that Kevin Stefanski was good for the last few weeks last year, but I don't know how good his offense is going to be as a whole. We haven't seen it. So I'm, 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 I'm going to have to pull out on the Vikings. <laughs> that leaves us with the Bears and the Packers. I have the Packers winning the NFC North. I respect that. Okay. Three and six and one score games last year. Seventh best offensive line. They do face the second toughest run defenses in the NFL this year. Um, what's really scary is their last 11 games, they face two teams that are coming off of a bye. They face two teams that are coming off of a Thursday night football. And there's one game where they have a short week. So they're rest averse for a lot of those games. And their strength of schedule is 15th. I just look at this team and I see all of the depth on the defensive line. Their, their linebackers are a fucking mess. The NFC North is tough to pick, but in the end, it's Aaron Rodgers, healthy, and I'm betting on Aaron Rodgers. And most excitingly, you know how they do those throwback jerseys? The Packers actually are going to be playing some of their home games in a uh, denim jersey with denim pants, Stop which it. is that'd really be, exciting. That would be amazing. The reason the Bears are a bubble team right now to make the playoffs is there are so many regression. Number one. Vic Fangio is gone. I don't want anyone to tell me that Chuck Pagano is just as good. He's not. Article came out on ESPN Insider interviewing Sean McVay, uh, Kyle Shanahan, and Matt LaFleur. They all said the toughest guy to prepare for is Vic Fangio. Okay? Three of the up-and-coming offensive minds that were waxing poetic. He's gone. It's a big loss. The Bears were the third healthiest team in the NFL last year. That will likely regress. Yeah, do you buy that in terms of, I know you're talking regression a lot today, injury, that you yes. can have a lot of bad luck with injury and then the next yes. year be totally fine. Uh, the way I look at it is I look for teams that were an extreme. If you were really healthy, mm -hmm. you're going to get a little bit more injured. And if, if you're the Falcons and like your entire defense was gone, devastated, yeah. I have to imagine you're going to be a little bit better. But teams like the Chargers, I don't because their medical staff, the medical stinks. staff right? Um the Bears have the fifth hardest schedule in the NFL. It dropped 26 spots. They were a top, they were the third easiest schedule last year, and they dropped down 26 spots. So they're they're another Houston Texans type of team. They were plus 12 in turnovers last year. They were six and four in one score games. They have a middle run in their schedule this year where four of the five teams they play are Saints, Chargers, Eagles, Rams. They finish with Cowboys, Packers, Chiefs, Vikings. Like, I look at this team, I look at Mitchell Trubisky, I, I think that their defense is going to be good, I think their offense is going to be good, but Mitchell Trubisky on the road with a much harder schedule, their schedule was so much easier last year. They were able to coast through a lot of their wins. The Bears are on the bubble. And I don't know if I got them in the wild card. But I, I'll, I'll reserve that to when we get to the bracket. Okay. I have the Packers winning, and the Bears is my bubble team. So, so far we have the Eagles and Packers somewhere in the like 2-3 seed range. Yes. Uh, the Cowboys are making the playoffs, and the Bears you're not quite sure yet. Is that right? Yes. Copy that. Okay. Now let's move on. Is this interesting to you? <laughs> Talking about division winners? Yes. Sure. Uh, I get lost when when like three or four names come in a row because I just I, 
I, as much as I follow the league, yes. I just can't name all four defensive tackles on a given team. I, so, even sometimes on the Patriots, I can't even recall so the, the, main the thing names. I'm going to say with the Bears, what I was saying about those teams. Do you mean like names of players or names of teams? Yeah, just like I, I, I sometimes I just can't keep up with the <laughs> with the name when there's a list of names. Yes. Like listening to uh, to you talk probably to Warren Sharp when yes. he's just going to be like, and this person, and this person, and this person. The, yeah. you know, over this here, the linebacking core is this person, this person, this person. I just, I just don't, I just don't totally. have the recall for that. Totally, it's a all skill. Right. I'm impressed by it. Let's go to the South. Uh, NFC South, we've got the Saints are the favorites at minus 160. Very heavy favorites there. A lot of VIG. Uh, Then the Falcons at plus 320. The Carolina Panthers at plus 450. And the Bucks at plus 1200. Okay. Um, I do have a bet here for one of these teams. So I have two with a possible third in the NFC South. Wow. A lot of people are very high on the East. A lot of people are very high on the West. I'm kind of feeling the South. Okay. The team that is not making the playoffs at all, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. But here's the deal. They're going to fuck up some teams this year. Four and seven and one score games. Bruce Arians has never won less than six games, and their over-under is six and a half. So I would bet the over if I was the Bucs. Turnovers last year, the Bucs were minus 18, and they faced the softest pass defenses in the NFL this year. So by Evans, by Godwin, by O.J. Howard, they faced the softest pass defenses in the NFL. And I recall you being higher than some uh, on Jameis as a fantasy QB. A lot of, lot of numbers for him, like 4,000 yards passing type, type of season. My problem is, is that I know a lot of people, I don't think the offensive line is that great. And Bruce Arians wants his quarterbacks to sit in the pocket. And Jameis Winston sitting in the pocket for too long just doesn't sound good to me. Um, Here's what I think is the death blow for the Buccaneers. Weeks four to nine, they do not have a single home game. And they have a trip to London. That's crazy. The only thing that's interesting is they're one of only three teams last year that were better on the road than at home. I don't know why. Um, but I look at the Buccaneers, and there's just a lot of holes. I don't like their defensive line. Vita Vea is hurt. Uh, Levante David, Deion Buchanan, Justin Evans. I'm not buying the Bucks Now, the team that I believe is winning the division is a team that I bet in Vegas— I got them at minus 130 over eight, the Carolina Panthers. I have winning the NFC South. Well, if you believe in them, then that is a very tasty yeah, sort what's, of— Yeah, what's their division line? Plus 450, so $100 to win $450. What's your initial reaction to that? Uh, Cam Newton, he when when healthy, he puts up points, and there was just that, that season he went 15-1. and one. I don't know why he couldn't do that again. What I've, from reading Pro Football Doc, that there are certain surgeries that the second surgery, the first surgery, you think you're good, the second surgery fixes it. Mm. There are some surgeries where the first season you can play, but the second season you can really play. ACL is the latter. Allen Robinson could play last year, first year off an ACL. He's going to be back to his old self this season. Shoulder injuries with quarterbacks, that first surgery, you think you can play. The second surgery, you're good to go. Mm. So I look at the Panthers, 
and they have the ninth best O-line. They're getting Darrell Williams healthy. They drafted Greg Little. Matt Paradise or Paradise uh, is back. Uh, and Trey Turner. I like their offensive line. The thing that is selling me on the Panthers, they may have the deepest front seven in the NFL other than the Ravens, which is why I like both teams. I'm going to do a little name listing here. <laughs> in the middle, I'll go slow. In the middle, Don Terry Poe, Kawan Short. These are these are Pro Bowl names. Gerald McCoy. Remember they got him from the Bucks. Vegan. Vernon Butler, first round pick. That's just your two deep defensive tackles. You add in Kyle Love, who's a good player. Your middle linebackers are Luke Keekley and Shaq Thompson, ballers, and your pass rushers, bro. Bruce Irvin, this kid Brian Burns, who they got in the first round this year, looks like a stud, and Mario Addison. They are going to make their secondary so much better by the amount of pro- of pass rush that they're going to get. A lot of QBs with happy feet. And I look at McCaffrey and DJ Moore. I, I, I am all in on the Panthers this year. So they were 3-7 and seven in one-score games. They faced the third easiest pass defenses this year. So Camp Newton should be able to go off. Um, and they were the eighth most injured team in the NFL last year. So I think they get positive regression. Now, I do have one team locked into a wild card and one team a bubble. The team I have locked into a wild card is the Saints. And I thought about not making them the wild card. <laughs> Here's the Saints have the 18th easiest schedule in the NFL. They were plus eight in turnover last year. They were five and two in one score games, which I do not like. The Saints last year won how many games? Uh, it was like 13, 12, 13. They're a 10 win team this year. Their line in Vegas is 10 and a half. I would bet the under. The Saints, in my mind, are a 10 win team in wild card or a nine win team in missing the playoffs. But the reason I have them locked in is of all the other teams that are fighting for a wild card spot, I have a hard time thinking Drew Brees and Sean Payton aren't making the playoffs. I just have a hard time. The number one thing I'm looking at for the Saints this year, they have the third best offensive line in the NFL according to Brandon Thorne. However, last year, four different guys on that O-line missed a combined 11 games with injury. And they do not have Max Unger anymore at center. They have Eric McCoy. But Andrus Pete missed games last year with injury. Teron Armstead missed games with injury. Ryan Ramschick missed games with injury. Larry Warford missed games with injury. If the Saints offensive line starts getting banged up, those guys are not spring chickens. They've played a lot of snaps. It won't matter how good Drew Brees is. He will not have the time. It won't matter how good Alvin Kamara is. And when I look at their defense, I think they have some very good players. Sheldon Rankin's coming off an Achilles, but I don't think they're that deep. And the Saints are, they're, they're my five seed, but I'm a little bit worried. Um, I just want, I want to hear from Drew Brees in the playoffs. That's what I want. Yeah, I want one signature I in the playoffs. Because I keep hearing rumblings that this might be Drew Brees' final season, that he might hang it up after this year. I want to hear from him. I'm not necessarily saying he's going to the Super Bowl. I want to have a signature Drew Brees 2020 in January uh, playoff game where he throws for 360 yards and four touchdowns and just has a couple of those breezy throws over the middle that are just so sick. And we can, we can say, hey, man, great career. You won a Super Bowl. 
You're a great guy. This is going to be a two-hour podcast. I'm really... <laughs> Uh, I'm just going to go quickly. The reasons why I have the Falcons as a positive team this year. Insanely injured last year should come back. Playing in a dome for their first nine games, 13 of their 16 games. In a dome, Ryan, Matt Ryan averages almost 0.7 more yards per attempt indoors than outdoors. If you were to bet Matt Ryan as MVP, It would make a lot of sense to me right now. I get it. They face the sixth easiest pass defenses this year. Again, Matt Ryan looking good. In their last five games against their Bucks, they're 5-0. In their last seven games against the Panthers, they're 6-1. All of the track record for the Falcons says positive. They're on the bubble right now with the Bears and the Cowboys for that last NFC spot. That's what I'm trying to figure out right now. Matt Ryan, 25 to 1 MVP odds, by the way. That's fucking solid. Very juicy. Very juicy. Uh, should we jump over to the yeah, NFC through West? The okay, Sorry. we've got. I hope you guys are enjoying this. We're taking it along. Well, we're going to put all of the time codes that says by division. Yes. So you can listen to the division. And everyone's listening to this thing at 1.5x speed. Like, they're not spending a full two hours. I hope thing. so. I've just <laughs> discovered 1.5. Uh, Rams, minus 180. Seahawks, plus 285. Niners, plus 500. And Cardinals at plus 2,500. One team. LA Rams. That's it. And I did bet in Vegas Seahawks not to make the playoffs, uh, and I got that at uh, minus 165. But I bet it. Okay. I have the Rams in because uh, I think they're, 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 they, all the signs point to them having a drop, but they have the seventh easiest schedule in the NFL. Turnovers were plus 11. Hate that. Six and one in one score games. Hate that. They were the healthiest team in the NFL the last three years. Hate that. But I'm still putting them in. <laughs> I, sometimes you just do it. They've got a great coaching staff. They've got great infrastructure. they got Wade Phillips. There's just too much talent. It just feels like a really talented team every year. I'm going to kick myself later. These are the other things that scare me. Goff at home, his touchdown to interception ratio is 22 to 4. On the road, he's 11 to 10. I have circled certain things that I'm going to remind myself betting during the year, and one of them is golf on the road. I'm going to be betting heavily against the Raiders, the Rams on the road. Just one thing. But the the reason I do like the Rams is they face five teams with a rest advantage. They face the Saints, the Browns, the Niners, and the Seahawks, all huge games after those teams are on Monday Night Football. Sean McVay, an extra day to prepare against another coach. That's a huge benefit in my mind. The team they face after they have their own bye, the Steelers. Another huge game where Sean McVay has more time to prepare. That's the reason I have the Rams going in, and they have the best player in the NFL in Aaron Donald. They have an offense that will figure it out. They're going to be good. Uh, Should we go through the seeds? Uh, Let me just quickly. I know I'm going forever. Yeah, please. Um, I think the Niners are a 7-8 win team. Uh, They have incredible regression. Their strength of schedule improved by 11. Their turnovers, they were minus 25 in turnovers last year. Unheralded. Unheralded. Crazy. Three and six and one score games. Fourth most injured team last year. And this year they face the easiest run defenses in the NFL. I have drafted Matt Breida as much as I can or Tevin Coleman. 
but I think that the Seahawks, the, the Niners are better, but I do not think that they're going for a wild card spot. The Cardinals, they are uh, face the easiest. Uh, there's just so much shit. I just don't buy the Cardinals. They don't look good. I'm not going to get in the statistics. Let's give let's give Kyler Murray a big playground this year. Like, don't worry about making the playoffs. Just give us a couple of electrifying runs and a couple of crazy passes, so that when you're in your second year, as Lefko loves you, in your second year as a as a starting quarterback, that's when you'll go for the playoff run. Their offensive line stinks. I don't trust their offensive coordinator. I'm just going to say the Seahawks. The reason I have them falling off, I don't have the Seahawks in the playoffs. Because they had the 20th easiest strength of schedule. and went down six from last year. They were plus 15 in turnover margin. Plus 15 were the highest in the NFL. That's regressing to the mean. And not only that, their wins were completely reliant on turnovers. When they won the turnover battle by two or more, they were four and one. Getting those games are hard. If they were tied in the turnover margin or less, they were two and four. They also face... In the first six weeks, without Jerron Reed, with their defensive line being completely banged up, a number of injuries to their secondary in the first six weeks, they face these four teams. Pittsburgh, good offense. Saints, good offense. Rams, good offense. Browns, good offense. I think the Seahawks start really slow this season, and they're not able to claw back as all those other guys get back. That's why the Seahawks missing the playoffs. Wow. So it's either the Falcons, the Cowboys, or the Bears for that final wild card spot. Would you like to make a plea for one of those teams? You listen to me make the pitches for those three teams. Which one sounded the best? Uh, it doesn't seem like it's going to be the playoffs unless Eddie Panero is kicking clutch kicks. So I feel like this is a Chicago Bears. I'm not making like just a joke yeah. pick for Eddie Panero. I just do feel like the Bears have such a strong defense. Uh, Khalil can win you, I don't know, two and a half games by himself this year with a couple of strip sacks. Um, that defense is so strong. Mitch Trubisky, I mean, you talked about from going from one, year one to year two. There's also the year from year two to year three jump where now it's, he feels like he's got the keys to this team. Right. He he can scamper around. He can mess with defensive coordinators. They got a lot of weapons. I think the Bears sneak into the playoffs. I actually have them winning that division. So... <laughs> That's your prerogative, man. It's your show. It's a lot of a lot of thought coming out of his brain right now. I'm going Falcons. A respect. Three teams from the NFC South. It's, uh, it's happened before, yeah. My main reason is the Cowboys and Bear. The Cowboys have historic regression, one score game. Plus, I don't know about Zeke and all the injuries on defense. The Bears have historic strength over schedule flips, plus all of the other one-score games, turnovers and all that, and they're losing Vic Fangio. And the Falcons, while they have a tougher schedule, they had all those injuries last year, all the games in the Dome, Matt Ryan healthy, all those weapons. I'm 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 playing the regression trends this year. I like it. That's that. Have your wisdom and stick to it. It's a good system. Okay. I don't know if it's a good system. It's a system. So that means that I have this many new teams in the playoffs this year. I have the Jaguars in the playoffs. They weren't there. The Jets in the playoffs. They weren't there. And then the NFC. 
I have the Packers, they weren't in the playoffs last mm-hmm. year. The Panthers weren't in the playoffs last year. And the Falcons. So five teams that weren't in the playoffs last year I have in, and I was shooting for five or six. Yeah, it's about what the average is every year. There's about six, five is six-ish of turnover. All right, so let's do the seeds. Okay. So your division winners are Packers, Eagles, Rams, Panthers. Yes. I don't see any of them as like running away with 14 or 15 the Eagles wins. are my one seed. Okay. And I have them probably win about 12. Mm-hmm. The Panthers are my two seed. Mm. The Rams are my three seed. Rams is the three seed. And that means the Packers is the uh, four seed there. Okay. Saints are my five. Falcons are my six. Great. So wild card weekend, we've got Falcons at Rams. I want to go back and see the things that I wanted to talk about. And we've got Saints at Packers. Two very fun games. All right, so hold Four on. very lively quarterbacks in the so wild card I have weekend. The, I have the Patriots in, the Jets in, the Eagles in, the Rams in. So I have four teams from the top ten softest. And then I did put Atlanta and Kansas City in, so that's two of the hardest. Second-year quarterbacks, I have the Jets and the Ravens making it. I do not have the Bills and the Browns. I have them just missing. Okay. All right, so what's our wild card weekend? Uh, Falcons at Rams. That could be 38-37 shootout. So we've seen this two years ago. Right. Falcons went to L.A. and won. Let's go Rams. Okay. Rams take it. I would imagine in a wild card weekend like that, they're the three seed. Let's say they've got like two or three more wins than the six seeded uh, Falcons. They're probably like three and a half, four point favorites or something like that. They right. should win that game at home. Uh, Saints at Packers. Again, I want to hear from Drew Brees. This is a great like two legendary wow. quarterbacks going at it in wild card weekend. Outdoors. Outdoors at in Packers, Lambeau. Packers, book it. Packers. Okay. So that means Packers, our- book it outdoors. That's the key. Now we're looking at the next weekend divisional and round. And by the end of the year, Drew Brees' arms a noodle. <laughs> Packers at Eagles would be the four oh, at the one, man. and then Rams at Panthers would be your other game. Damn, I kind round. of, I kind of wanted it to end up being Saints Rams, like revenge. Could all right. So what was where? where who are the Rams? Packers at Eagles, and then Rams at Panthers. Panthers. Panthers take that one. I can't blow them this high on the Panthers. A lot of rest. And then Packers at Eagles. Eagles coming off what you just described as a 12-win, one-seed type season. Fuck. Does Aaron Rodgers go into Philly and take it himself? So here's what I'm thinking. I hate it. I love Aaron Rodgers, but I hate him against my Eagles. Of course. He's really good at tearing up that Jim Schwartz defense. He's got the offensive line. I don't think the Eagles' pass rush is that good. And it's going to come down to... Fuck it, I'm a fan. Eagles. <laughs> I was going to pick the Packers just there. And that's fine. So it's I a, have my one and two seed in both conferences, I just which I that, don't like. But that happens almost every year. There's one and two seeds in the oh. in the title games a lot. Yeah. Panthers at Eagles for our NFC Championship game. At that point, if you're, if you're picking your Eagles all the way. Yeah, let's go to the Eagles. Rematch the Super Bowl two years there ago. There we go. Patriots versus Eagles in the Super Bowl. Eagles winning the Super Bowl. And the Eagles winning again. Damn, I can't. Yeah, I'm doing it. You know why? I want my pick to be the Eagles so that I can follow them all year. 
But also, I, I don't think it's crazy to pick the Eagles. No, and then Carson Wentz gets the Super Bowl title that he probably could have won a couple of years ago. Man, I don't know if I feel good about this. <laughs> okay. You have a couple of months to change your pick. No, this is it. Lock it in. This is it. You can't make any sort of decisions. Oh no, I'll change throughout the year. Yeah, but guys my, are going to get injured. Teams are going to surprise you. Super Bowl pick is the Eagles. Is the Eagles, and that's never changing. Wow. All right. Hit me up, guys, on social. Let me know kind of like who you're picking and and where I went wrong and all that stuff. Uh, I do have my MVP and I do have my Defensive Player of the Year. Who is your? Who are you going to pick Defensive Player of the Year? I know I'm putting you on the spot. Khalil Mack. I am picking Miles Garrett. Yeah, it's a good one. I believe that the Browns are gonna are gonna be right in the playoff hunt all year. I've already told you that I think that their 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 strength of schedule for the defenses gets a lot easier, and uh, I think Miles Garrett starts off the huge week one against Tennessee, and they're carrying the offense, and people are expecting Baker to carry it, but it's actually Miles that carries it. He's got like twenty sacks this year. My MVP, I'm going Ben Roethlisberger. Okay. I think that the storyline of being by himself with no Antonio Brown and no Le'Veon Bell is going to be a storyline that a lot of people are going to grasp onto. I think Ben has a big year statistically when you factor in the strength of schedules that they're facing and you factor in that people are, are going to expect the Steelers to drop off. They faced, again, the fifth easiest run defenses, I think Ben is going to work harder this year than he ever has. I think he puts up like a 41-touchdown, seven-interception season. The offensive line's healthy. Connor, uh, Juju has a big year. I think it's the storyline that propels Big Ben to win an MVP. And I have them as a fifth. I have them as like an 11-win five seed. Yeah, I mean, if they lose two of the best skill position guys in the world over two seasons and Big Ben still drags them to 11 wins, that's that's a narrative that wins you an MVP. All right, so those are my bets. Those are my division winners and my Super Bowl winners and my MVP. Uh, I went on the limb for a number of it. I I will never play this safe. Um, I'm going to be keeping track of everything all year. But these are my picks. And I thought it was important for the gambling show throughout the year to have someone on that is a bona fide expert. Have someone that I believe is the number one person in the space so that when I am making the picks with the super contest or left coast locks or whatever it is, I need someone here that's going to provide value for the 33%. And that is why my, it is my honor and my privilege to toss to an edit where I made a phone call <laughs> where I'm going to call that guy and you're going to hear it. So I love you guys a lot. And here is our new gambling expert. Hey, who's this? Thanks, buddy. Warren, I'm recording you on the podcast through my phone, so you're on the pod right now. <laughs> well, what's up? Uh, I just wanted to officially introduce you uh, to the wonderful 33% that every podcast that will come out on Fridays during the season that will be our big gambling show against the spread, you are going to be joining me, and I could not be happier. I, I could not be happier. could not be more excited. Uh, it's not about me. It's about your audience, what they deserve, and we're going to try to give them as much as they can possibly consume, uh, give them some good information, and get them ready for the games over the weekend. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Enough about them. But really, I'm trying to get really better at betting. Um, did you? Do you know I'm in the super contest this year? Uh, I did not know that, but I'm proud of you that you are. Thank you. So usually I would do Lefko locks, which were four picks a week. But now with the super contest, I got to do five. So I think that you and me talking about line movements throughout the week, home dogs, uh, they, these guys have heard me for a very long time pretend to know what I'm talking about. And now I get to use you as the guy that sets me and all the crazy people out there straight. I, I just can't wait to dive into your brain, Warren Sharp. Well, that's exactly what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to try to get you ready for your for your five games, uh, make sure that they're the best possible. But yeah, I mean, look, we're going to talk about line movement, reverse line movement, uh, what could be coming down the pipe, why things have moved. It's, it's just going to be a great opportunity, and I love the fact that it's later in the week so that we'll be able to yes. process a lot of the weekly information by that point in time. Exactly, because I know that you're going to be locked in a cave for four days, pouring over film and analytics, and the fact that I get to talk to you on Thursday and it comes out Friday means that we're it's going to be like a well-cooked steak, perfectly done. Yeah, well, well-cooked, not, not well-done, but a well-cooked is in, like, medium quality. Uh, that's exactly what we're looking to deliver. Uh, I like that it sounds like you're actually excited. I think the 33% can appreciate that. Look, we're going to bring the energy, that's for sure. I mean, it's going to be an entertaining podcast to listen to, but people are going to learn something from it, too, and I'm, I'm super excited to be going down this path with you. You're the fucking man, dude. I, all right, and, uh, have a safe flight. I know you're going to be on national TV the rest of this week, uh, but uh, I'm pumped, man. Can't wait to start next week. Not not GQ magazine or anything like that yet, but, uh, you know, we're, we're working there. Ooh. Man, with that mustache and that blazer, dude, it could be happening soon. <laughs> All right, brother. Talk soon. Thank you, buddy. So that is the guy that we're going to have on Thursdays, Warren frickin' Sharp. I'm super excited. Uh, yeah, why don't we just go and, and bring in David at this point, too? Howdy. Uh, I, I've, I've been waiting for that one for a long time because I truly believe that when I call Warren the sharpest mind in football, I know it's a play on words, but I also believe that. I think that I've been paying attention to the football space now for a long time, and of everyone that I've met, there are certain people that get admiration from all. Mina Kimes is the most liked person in NFL media. Beloved, yeah. Evan Silva, I think, is the most trusted mind in fantasy sports. And I believe that when it comes to analytics and gambling and trends and and the future of football, I think Warren is the guy. And the fact that we've been talking behind the scenes now for a few months and we've been like, man, we need to figure out a way to get this together. The 33% has been so unbelievably kind to him uh, that I think he was excited. And when he says we want to give the 33% what they deserve, Warren is not one of these guys. Like I'm a marketing hype kind of guy. He's like, they deserve to be informed. And what I really care about on this show is people that, that 
care as much as me. And he might care more than me, which is fucking crazy. So I'm so excited. You know, the difference between a sort of bombastic media personality and a true analytics person is the analytics person just wants the most people to have the most objective information at their fingertips. Absolutely. And that's what he loves to do. He, he really gets a rush from having more people be more informed. And what you do with that information yes. is totally up to you. Absolutely. You can place bets however you want. You can use your gut if you think that, you know, going forward on fourth and two is right. a bad move, like whatever it is. But he just wants to show you that here's the data yes. because it is factual and it is true. And I have spent my years going over it. And here it is on a platter for you, my and friends. You know, he's coming in without any bias. Right. Like, and I've never been around someone like that. Before. That's a true numbers person. That's a, that's a Bill James school of thought. He loves numbers. And what I'm excited about is in terms of everyone gets to use the information however they want. I think there's been a lot of value to a lot of listeners over the years when I hear information and I go, I'm taking it this way. A lot of the 33% over the years have gone, when you take it that way, I always know your biases and I can play against you. Mm -hmm. So in a weird way, you're going to get Warren Sharp's analytic, the old Lefko faithful going the wrong <laughs> yep. way. Zag and zig. And, and I, I think that we're going to really try and teach this year, not about how to make a bet or what does this mean? We're going to get really deep inside the numbers. And I know how much the betting show has meant to the 33%. And I really believe this is the next step. It's the evolution of the gambling show. And, you know, we're still going to be putting them out Fridays, which means that the Thursday night game, we're going to go, hey, I probably think that the Packers are going to win this one. And then you're going to hear me be wrong. <laughs> and it's going to completely throw off everything for the rest of the gambling show. But couldn't be more excited to get Warren involved. Why don't you just record at like 1 a.m. Eastern on Thursdays then? No? Okay. So <laughs> uh, all right. So that's it for now. Hope you guys like the picks uh, that I did a little bit earlier. Super excited about Warren Sharp. And we are going to have another co-host. I'm just not putting the cart before the horse. So there's exciting things brewing. I just can't say anything, guys. You're going to have to tune in next week. We are on the cusp of going to three shows a week. I know it's Labor Day, so we're only going to have two next week. One that comes out on Wednesday and one that comes out on Friday. So the one on Wednesday, I'll try and predict Bears-Packers, the, the season opening game. Also, starting next Wednesday night, D the P. Hashtag D the P. I know you guys saw the clip of Mohamed Sanu. Much more to come. Ditch the playbook. Mr. Ingber over here has been locked in a room editing stuff. So I'm, I'm very excited for you guys to see it. And I'm excited to get this show and this season a rolling for David Ingber. Oh, Lefko, it's been a delight just getting this Ditch the Playbook up. And you know what? If you've got an idea for a web series, just go out and make it. That's my advice to you. Go out and make the thing. Oh, that was your big... Today. Is that a problem? <laughs> For Warren Sharp, I'm Adam Lefko, the L-E-F-K-O-E man, and we will holla, holla, holla at you later. <laughs>